So the reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. So it should have come up on the screens as well. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his, and it, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Colleen. And good morning, everyone, whether you're here in the building with us or you're joining us online. It's great to see you. I'm going to pray as we begin. Father, maybe we've come here today and we're full of joy or maybe we're experiencing different challenges. And we pray by your Holy Spirit, would we hear you speaking to us today? Lord, would you show us more of the Lord Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. I was chatting with a friend the other day, and quite matter of fact, she said to me, well, Laura, January is nearly over. And I was like, hold on a second, I think I've only written 2024 twice. Um, I wasn't quite ready for that. Although January sometimes does feel like the month that just goes on and on. I wonder, is there something that you're praying this year? What's the one thing that you're praying or you're hoping? Or maybe 2024 is going to be the year that you pray for the very first time. Or maybe you even did that yesterday. And that's why you're here in church today, or why you're joining us online. Well, our passage that Colleen read to us from Ephesians is a beautiful passage, isn't it? It's crammed full of such beautiful theology. I'm not sure if I've actually preached from six verses before, which have so much amazing stuff packed into them. But very simply, this is a prayer. How do we know that? Well, because Paul, the writer, tells us. (laughs) He says, I'm praying and I want to keep on praying for these people that he loves, this church in Ephesus. And what does he pray? He doesn't pray here for them to experience financial security or great holidays or an easy time, as good as those things are and as much as we might pray those things. But in verse 17 of our passage, what's the one thing that he prays? He prays this that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they would know him more, so that they would know more of God. Whatever this year holds, in the highs and the lows, in the successes and the failures, in the gains and the losses, whatever lies ahead, that's Paul's prayer, that they would know the Lord more, that they'd know more of him. 
About two years ago, I was chatting with a friend and he noticed my watch and he said, oh, nice watch. And I said, oh, thanks very much. Um, Owen, my husband, got it for me. Um, and uh, I had spotted someone several years ago wearing a watch like this and I really liked it. And I said to Owen and then much to my surprise, several years later, he gives me a box and inside it is this watch that I really loved. I'd almost kind of forgotten how much I liked it. And before you think, oh, my husband is too wonderful, he confessed to me yesterday that when he bought this watch, he bought it, it's a, actually a man's watch, and he bought it thinking, oh, well, she'll kind of like it for a year and then I can have it. <laughs> hmm. Um, anyway, I'm having a chat with my friend who's really impressed with this uh, watch and I said, yeah, it's an automatic watch. It's got this automatic mechanism, which basically means there's no battery. So as long as I'm wearing it, it keeps on moving. Um, and then I talked about the style of this watch and the colour and I talked about how much I loved it and some of the other uh, details. It's a Mido make. I'm not sure we've ever heard of that, but there we go. Then this friend... <laughs> For pretty much, this isn't an exaggeration, an uninterrupted 15 minutes, I was watching. Um, it's told me all of these wonderful things about this watch, commenting on how the specific make of these watches, this friend knew just from a quick glance, meant that it had very high-grade materials. I was pleasantly surprised, because I knew the owner had got it on the cheap online, because it was X-Display, and they weren't continuing making the style anymore. But it was made from, apparently, these high-grade materials. And then my friend started mentioning all of these words about calibre and the measurements of the watch. And he mentioned the exact measurements and the science behind kinetic energy, which means that it keeps going and that the movement first began in pocket watches and then in 1778, the automatic mechanism was reinvented and that it takes a very skilled watchmaker to build one of the watches like this. And I really love my watch, but suddenly there was this awe and this wonder at this watch. And I'm thinking, wow, I only ended up with it because I thought it looked cool on someone and I wanted to copy them. In that moment, my friend was telling me that there was so much more to know and so much more to enjoy. And that's what Paul is saying here, writing to these people that he loves, know him more. There's so much more of him to know, to love, to enjoy, so much more of God. And so that's the first thing we see here in this passage, this invitation to know him more. Verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. Paul's prayer here is that we would never grow tired of all we have in and through Jesus, that we wouldn't lose the wonder, that we wouldn't settle, that we would find ourselves time and time again going, wow, there's so much more to this gift. There's so much more to know and to enjoy. Paul isn't suggesting here in these words that there's something different to know or someone else to know or like some little extra bonus for God's favourite people. No, he says in verse 17, I've heard church in Ephesus. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And then he doesn't go on to say, and now on to part B, now on to something extra. This isn't like a moment of what was a popular heresy at the time, Gnosticism, that you needed some kind of special extra knowledge. No, Paul is saying that the one who you have come to know, the Lord Jesus, your faith in him would grow even more wonderful to you each and every moment. You see, a hallmark of a good and a healthy relationship 
yeah, is that you want to get to know the other person more and more. If you're dating someone and you're finding yourself texting things like, I haven't heard from you in a while, or I know you haven't replied to my last 14 messages, but do you fancy dinner this evening? Then your hunch <laughs> um, that perhaps it's not quite going in the right direction, it's probably accurate. Christians are those who are brought, how amazing is this, who are brought into a relationship with the living God through Jesus. And we're to have this confidence and this security in our faith in him. We can absolutely know with confidence and security all of the things that Paul lists at the beginning of this letter. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not yet a Christian. Or maybe there's a friend or a colleague that you want to bring to Alpha. Well, it's good to know, isn't it? What is the invitation? What is on offer? And Paul says it here. Let's, if you've got a Bible in front of you, have a look just in the verses before our passage. He says that in God, we are chosen. We are loved by him. He sees us. He loves us. We're adopted. We are, and this is so wonderful, we are sort of scooped into the very love and life that has existed for all eternity between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's like Jesus takes a hold of our hand and he brings us into that very love and life so we're adopted, we're forgiven. Through what Jesus has done, Paul writes in verse seven, we know his forgiveness through his death on the cross and then we're marked out and secured, verse 13, by the Holy Spirit, his life, his power within us. And so Paul wants us to have that confidence that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. We know that participation in him, that life in him, we can know him. But because this is a relationship, the Bible speaks that whilst we have that confidence, we've got to continue to grow in our understanding. We've got to continue to grow in our love, our experience of, our knowledge of God of the wonderful gift that we've been given. Maybe you are exploring faith today. What if you, your life could have a meaning and a purpose far greater than you ever imagined? What if you could know a love that could hold you when everything else falls away? What if you could become more of a loving person, something which you really long for? What if you could become part of a community which brings together people from all different stages of life and different places across the globe? This is what followers of Jesus know. This is what we have. This is the confidence that we can have. But what Paul is saying here is that what we've come to know for the first time, the gift given to us, perhaps something we've always wanted, you could come to know it today. Respond to the gift of Jesus, something perhaps deep down You've always wanted, but you've almost forgotten that you have. That in coming to know it for the very first time, those same truths, that same person, the same reality that we're invited into would each and every day grow and grow more in us as we're transformed and as we know him more fully. And so it's as then, firstly, we know him more, we then grow in appreciating more of the blessings of faith more of what he has for us. And so secondly, we see here, we have more of him and then we have more of his wisdom and insight. Paul writes about this in verse 17, that we would, the spirit would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's this expectation that the God of the universe, 
who holds, of course, all insights, all knowledge, all revelation can be intimately involved in our lives. That you don't need to live any moment of your day independent of him. And if I was asking the question today, is all of this Jesus stuff real? I think I would want it to be something that would impact every aspect of my life for the better. And Paul writes, I keep on praying that the Holy Spirit would give you wisdom and revelation. And I keep on praying that your heart would be enlightened. It's interesting that that same word revelation is used in the Old Testament for Bezalel, the craftsman. That the Spirit gives him this revelation in his creativity. And it's the same word revelation that's used of Joshua, the one who leads God's people. That the Spirit is on him and anoints him to lead and to discern. And it's the same word in Isaiah 11 for God's Messiah. And it's Jesus, isn't it, who perfectly holds within himself. And Paul writes about this in the end of our passage. The fullness of God, the fullness of his wisdom, the fullness of his insight. And so you see the scope of this wisdom and insight that we receive as those who know God is quite broad. (laughs) There's this practical knowledge, there's this insight for living rightly, for, for leading, for making decisions, for discernment, for clarity. Is there something this morning that you lack wisdom about? Ask God for it and ask him like you expect him to answer and ask him to show you what the answer might be. Do you need more of his insight and wisdom in your workplace, in your community, in your home, for your future? Do you want some insight about a complex, complex situation? Ask him for more. During a time of transition for our family, uh, I was feeling pretty overwhelmed and I wanted to know every detail about the future and also that everything in the future was going to be fine. <laughs> Um, I especially wanted this for our kids and I could feel in the overwhelm sort of my courage shrinking and my vision getting smaller. I don't know if you can identify with that. And so I took a walk and a pray and I'm praying. And as I'm praying, the Lord puts on my heart Isaiah 40, which is in the Old Testament. And it's this passage that talks about how God doesn't grow tired and weary. I was like, yep, great. And how he restores the energy of youth. I was like, I'll take that. And uh, how he um, helps us soar on wings like eagles. I was like, okay, classic verse. You know, it appears a lot on Christian merch. You've probably seen it on a good few Christian mugs, maybe if you've seen some of them, they do exist. Or on a poster with some interesting clip art from the 90s about us soaring on wings like eagles. And I get back to my house and I sense the Holy Spirit saying, read Isaiah 40. Not for the first time in my life, but do you know what? As I'm reading it, verses stick out for me as if I'm reading it for the very first time. Because it says in verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. And it's speaking of God here. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. And then get this. It says he gently leads those who have young. That was the specific revelation from God for me that day. So how do we become more attentive to the Holy Spirit's wisdom and insight where we spend time in the word of God, inspired by the Spirit, his revelation, and we take a walk when we feel overwhelmed and we pray and we ask the Lord to speak to us. We seek the Holy Spirit and we ask for more of his spiritual gifts. Check out 1 Corinthians 12. Paul writes that he doesn't want to be ignorant of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And 
I wonder if you've had experience like me of people praying, people speaking things, people saying verses, and you're like, well, that has to be from God. That has to be an insight from the Holy Spirit, because how could they ever know that about my life? There is more of his insight and wisdom for you today. So more of him, more of his wisdom. And then thirdly, more of his hope. Paul writes here in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Charlie Moore, who was a Cambridge theologian, wrote this book called The Meaning of Hope. And in his book, he defines hope, and I really love this, as faith standing on tiptoe. Almost like that moment where you step onto a footbridge to get a better glance of what lies ahead, to see what's coming. You see, our faith in Jesus this morning means that we can stretch our heads, that we can look with confidence to what lies ahead. You know this watch? If I uh, don't wear it for a few days because it's not been moving, the mechanism needs that in order to kind of self-wind. And sometimes it, it, it stops. <laughs> I've put it on a few times and been caught out by that. You know, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we sort of simultaneously live our lives in three different time zones. The past, the present, and the future. Our present hope is located in what has happened and what will happen. And Paul writes about that here, what has happened. He says, Jesus Christ has been raised, this is verse 20, from the dead. And then he goes on to talk about what will happen, that our hope isn't just in the present age, but in the age to come. And he gets all caught up in Jesus having all authority and power. Matthew's gospel talks about Jesus' name being the one in which lies the hope of all the world. Jesus, crucified for us. Jesus, raised from the dead, writes Paul here. Jesus, ascended to the throne room of heaven. Right now, sat, as Paul writes here in our passage, at the right hand of God, interceding for me, interceding for you. One day, he will return. And when he returns, there will be an end to sadness and suffering and death and mourning and our deepest longings will be fulfilled. You know, if I was here today and I was asking, is this Jesus stuff real? Not only would I want it to be something that impacted my everyday, but to be something that would outlast the brokenness of this world, something that was eternal. You see, there is so much more and there is so much more in store. There is so much more in store, all manner of consolation, all manner of healing when Jesus returns one day and we see him face to face. And as Paul writes in Corinthians, we know fully, even as we are fully known. I wonder, do you need to stand on your tiptoes today? To stand on your tiptoes? To see what lies ahead to be someone who in the here and now, shaped by what's happened in Jesus Christ, shaped by what we know is coming, work with Holy Spirit to bring his hope into the places and spaces that God has called you. Or maybe standing on your tiptoes today feels tough because grief and loss is your story right now. And all you can do is call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But as you call on his name, you somehow discover that in those moments, he's actually lifting you and he is carrying you and he is with you. Paul writes in another one of his letters in Romans chapter five, 
We know that suffering produces perseverance. I love these verses. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And then he says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. There is more hope. The Holy Spirit who's been poured out into your heart, into my heart through the Lord Jesus. More hope. And then fourthly and finally, there's more power. Paul writes in verse 19 that his incomparable great power for us who believe it's the power of his mighty strength when he raised Christ from the dead. Paul's like really, really making a point here about the extent of God's resources available to us. In the original language, apparently, he uses four different words for power. So almost that verse 19, we could read it, his incomparable, powerful power, the power is the same mighty power. Like, wow, okay, we get it, Paul. We, we got the power. Uh, but it's not some kind of uh, weird magic force so that Christians can do tricks. <laughs> no, it's an increasing closeness to him which enables us to have the power to persevere, to have the power to resist evil, to have the power to keep standing, and Paul's going to pick that up in chapter 6 of this letter, to have the power to resist sin. Paul acknowledges here in these verses the realities of the principalities and powers of darkness. He writes about that in verse 21, where he says, far above every name that is invoked. Now, Ephesus in the first century did a lot of invoking of other names. It was known as a place at the time of a real interest in spiritual things, an interest in dark things, an interest in experiences in a whole plethora of gods. And some people think that Paul wrote this letter that has this prayer in from uh, house arrest in Rome, so he's imprisoned there. But some theologians suggest, interestingly, that he actually writes these words from prison in Ephesus itself. That here he is, because they look at some of the timings in Acts 19 and 20, and that right as he's saying these words, perhaps he is literally in the thick of it, in the thick of a place that was kind of caught up and concerned with all of these principalities and powers of darkness. Wherever he is, he's certainly in the battle. And it's almost, I think, in this moment, in these final verses, 19 through to 23, where he's sort of preaching to himself, Paul's kind of preaching to himself. You know, sometimes when we're in the thick of it, those are the times where we know God in a very special way. And he's aware of the reality of evil. He's there at staring him in the face in his circumstances, but he doesn't get sidetracked or obsessed or distracted with all the dark stuff. He tells himself and the church in Ephesus the one thing that they need to hear the one thing that they need to hear, and that is that Jesus Christ reigns over all, that he is Lord of all, that everything, verse 22, sits in subjection under his feet, that ultimately his purposes will prevail, that his light shines in the darkness, that he is with them, that there is more of his power to experience, that Jesus rules and reigns, that he is good and he is Lord. His incomparable power for us who believe. Do you believe today? Well, there is help and backup at hand. There is power. There is a way out of that moment of temptation and addiction. 
you can be given the courage to speak up in that board meeting, even if you're worried you're going to lose your seat at the table. You can have his power and experience his light in dark places as a social worker or a healthcare provider. You can find the strength to continue to care for your aging relative. You can find the strength and the power to not conform anymore to the patterns of this world. You can pray in the name of Jesus for healing, for deliverance, for light in the darkness. And we need each other in this. Paul ends these verses with his mind on the church, the corporate nature, the togetherness of this that we share as we're in Christ and he in us and we in each other, that sometimes we need to remind each other that there is more of him, that there is more wisdom, that there is more hope, that there is more power. You know, my friend with all that watch knowledge, well, he uh, took my watch to a repair place. I hadn't worn it for a while and it had got pretty kind of out of out of time. Don't tell Owen because he'll start getting ideas that he can actually nick it from me. But you see, if I, if I don't keep this close, I'm out of sync. And yes, there are these blessings, more wisdom and insight, more hope, more power, these wonderful blessings, these blessings of faith, these things we need more of in Jesus. But they are never separate and never apart from us growing in a deeper knowledge of the giver himself. Maybe you've been at this a while, this following Jesus stuff. Maybe church is your day job, as it were. Maybe this morning we need to ask Jesus, do I just want what you have to offer or you? Do I just want the experiences or you yourself? Jesus, am I only in this if you're like my personal assistant? the PA to my life, and if you're lucky, I'll ask you to bless my latest brilliant plan? <laughs> or do we start our day aware of our need for him, aware that we need more? Are we praying, verse 18, Father, enlighten my heart by your Holy Spirit. I don't want to be one of those people Jesus speaks of in Matthew's gospel whose lips say all the right things, but whose hearts are far from him. A year ago, exactly, in January 2023, a postgrad called Peter came along to Alpha for the first time. When I met him, he wouldn't have described himself as a Christian. But he came along to Alpha a year ago, and through reading the Bible, having great chats, starting coming along to postgrads and to church here, he received the gift of Jesus last year. And we've had the privilege of watching that relationship with God grow more and more week by week in Peter's life. And now he's leading a small group at postgrads. He's actually a helper at Alpha this term. You'll see him there <laughs> if you come along. And he's actually out this morning helping with all eight kids. He was asked a few questions about this at postgrads on Wednesday. And very simply, he kind of didn't really mention any of that stuff he's doing. But he just said the words, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart now. Maybe you are Peter a year ago. Or maybe your friend or your colleague is. Jesus is the gift to be received. Maybe even today, for the very first time, will you receive him? This gift of life, this gift of love. And if you came to know that many years ago, 
or a few months ago. The offer here in verse 17 is that we would know him more. More of his love, more of his wisdom, more of his hope, more of his power. As we know the Holy Spirit working more and more in our hearts and our lives day by day. Amen.